Hello, I'd like to welcome you back to our series on being counseled by God, and this is lesson number eight. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, dealing with fear, and this week we're going to talk about dealing with guilt. So we're going to talk about how we're going to go about um, replacing our sense of guilt with a fresh sense of hope. So let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll get into our content. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, Father, that uh, you are the one who we can put all of our trust in, who we can find true and, and unending hope in. Father, we give you praise because you are so much more than we could ever even begin to comprehend. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, as we come together uh, for this time, I pray, Lord God, that you would open the ears of these people. I pray that you would make their hearts receptive, and I pray, Lord God, that as I speak these words, that that you alone, Lord God, would minister unto these people, Father, that that there wouldn't be any question about about who's speaking here, but Father, that, that they would hear my voice in the flesh, but deeper still in the depths of their spirit, Lord, that they would hear your voice throughout this time. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray and ask. And all God's children said, Amen. <clears throat> all right, uh, so we're talking about guilt. A couple things that we need to know about guilt before we can uh, really tackle it. There's two kinds of guilt. And so we have to understand that sometimes the guilt that we deal with is true guilt. And sometimes the guilt that we deal with is false guilt. And so we're going to set a definition. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. We're going to set a definition for each one of these terms. We're going to set a definition for false guilt first. So false guilt is guilt which comes from the accuser. If you remember early on in this course, we talked about different names of Satan. And one of those was the accuser of the brethren. Satan or or the devil is truly the accuser. And so sometimes we get a sense of false guilt that we really shouldn't entertain. We really shouldn't let let ourselves be brought down uh, by this sense of guilt because it's false guilt. And it's when something goes wrong, something goes amiss, and your instinct we'll call it your instinct, or, or what you hear in your mind, the, the rhema word that's, that's penetrating into your mind is, is something condemning. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're, you'll never be worthy. You weren't intended for that. And, and that's, that's condemnation. And so when you come to a place of feeling that type of guilt, it's good for you to step back and say, wait a minute. What I'm feeling right now is that I don't measure up. I, I, I feel like I could do more, and because I didn't do more, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. That's false guilt. Um, it's, it's condemning, it's belittling, and it's no good for you, body, mind, or spirit. And so you have to have a good understanding of what you're listening for. You have to be able to pick out condemnation uh, 
in, in the course of thought. And when you can find condemnation in the thought, you have to get rid of the condemnation. And we're going to talk about dealing with that here in just a minute. But first, before we get into that, let's set a definition for true guilt. So true guilt is conviction by the Holy Spirit, oftentimes because of sin. And so that kind of that kind of guilt is the guilt that kind of burns in your spirit and it it bothers you because you knew better. But you're not getting that you don't measure up. You're not getting that um, you'll never be worthy of God's love. Instead, you're getting a fatherly correction in your spirit. You're getting you knew not to, and yet you did. Why did you do that? You're, you're getting something along those lines. Why did you make that decision? Why did you choose to walk down that road? This is what I asked of you. And yet... You knowingly chose. Why would you do that? And some of you who are parents can probably relate to that type of conversation. And maybe some of us who are children can relate to that kind of que- that kind of uh, conversation. But that's that's true guilt. True guilt is conviction by the Holy Spirit. And conviction or true guilt is not going to belittle you. It's not going to condemn you. It's going to burn in your spirit and it's going to bother you until you make it right with God. Okay? And so now that we have these definitions set, I want to go over how we deal with false guilt and how we deal with true guilt. Dealing with false guilt is a quick process. However, it takes some faith. You have to not only... Um, take the false guilt by force but you have to take it a step further and when you take it by force you have to believe that that you through the power of Christ have handled it that the Holy Spirit has handled it because of your faith and, and in your right confession so when you see that false guilt in your life and you say wait a minute I feel condemnation That's when you take a step back and you go back to when the condemnation began and you pinpoint what happened and you just say, listen, devil, get away from me, get away from my family, get out of my household and go back to hell because I am a child of God. Amen? I am a child of God. Devil, you have no room in this temple out you go and and you got to take that by force it's not enough just to tell the devil to go no you have to stand behind your statement in full assurance of faith knowing that the holy spirit is going to deal with the devil just the way the holy spirit dealt with the devil when when man hung jesus on a cross and the devil for, for but a moment, was able to rejoice and say, I won, I defeated him. But three days later, he found out, oh no, you can't. Devil, get on out of here. I am a child of God, amen? And so that's, that's the false guilt process. 
right believing. You have to know it in your heart, you have to confess it with your mouth, and you got to believe it. Absolutely must believe it. Now with true guilt, I'm going to give you a three-step process. Okay? And in this three-step process, I'm going to give you a couple of scripture verses. Uh, and they're not our focal scripture verses um, for, for this lesson. But I think that they really complement this process very well. And so, the first part of this three-step process, I'm going to tell you, you need to know your frame. To, to deal with true guilt, you have to know your frame. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go to the book of Psalms, and you go to chapter 103 and read verses 13 and 14, it says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And, and so you think back to creation, all the way back to Genesis. And how did God form man? But by the dust of the earth, he, he pulled him together and he spoke him into being from the, from the dust of the earth. And so this, this psalm keeps us sober-minded, if you will. It keeps us, uh, it, it, it's kind of our reality check that if God remembers that we are dust and yet has compassion on those who fear him, that we ourselves must remember that we are but dust. Okay, that's step one. You have to recognize what you truly are. I am, I am but dust. We are a moment. He is eternal. Okay. Next step is to recognize righteousness by faith. What do I mean by that? I mean, you have to see yourself the way that God sees you. You have to recognize that, that you, you have become righteousness. And, and you, you can use this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I want you to hang on to that because that particular uh, phrase can really penetrate the soul. It can really... It can really turn you around when you make that confession. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it's not that we ourselves are righteous, but that in Jesus, we have become righteous. And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How does God see you? When God looks on you, he doesn't see the old man. Okay? Remember, when you got saved, you left the old man at the altar. You, you left the old man behind. And you are a new creation in Christ. And so when God looks on you, God sees the blood of his one and only son 
poured out upon you. Recognize righteousness by faith. See yourself as God sees you. That's step two to dealing with true guilt. Why are these two things important? They keep us humble. Okay? When we recognize that we are dust and we recognize our righteousness is is by faith and by faith alone only because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, that keeps us humble. It keeps us in check. Okay? And then step three to this three-step process is know the power that is working within you. The power that works within us is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost power. Okay? And you're probably familiar with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's all things spiritual. That's all things emotional. That's all things physical. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. All of my needs. You see, that's the beautiful thing about about being counseled by God is that as we come to him and as we seek his counsel, we can come to a place of of having this unique assurance that people without God really can't have. Because if you don't have our God in your life, then when things go wrong, how could you possibly begin to lift up your countenance and say, it's all right because my God shall supply all my needs. If you've ever been through a financial crisis, sometimes it can be really hard. You can be sitting at your desk or wherever looking at your budget saying the numbers don't line up. But the moment that you flip your Bible open and remind yourself, listen, if God would part a sea for Israelites to cross to the other side, if God would, would close the mouths of lions, if God would choose to walk this earth as the Word made flesh, humble himself and come to this earth as an infant then surely my God shall supply all of my needs you have to realize that the working power within is not by your own might it's not by your own power it is by the spirit of God it is by the Holy Ghost power working within you these three things knowing our frame recognizing righteousness and knowing the power Essentially, this is the formula for repentance. And when we deal with true guilt, and and conviction is the source of true guilt, the truest of remedies is repentance. And true repentance comes out of humility, out of an understanding that that I, I have to humble myself and recognize that greater is he that is in me than he who is in this world. Than he who is in this shell of a man. Greater is he that is in me than anything I am. Okay? Now, that's, that's 
a, a big portion of what I need to teach for this lesson. But there's one thing um, that kind of goes with this lesson that I, that I need to cover because it happens so frequently. And so sometimes we as leaky vessels can accidentally be used of the devil. How dare I say that? I know. But you have to understand that that as broken vessels, and, and it's good that we should recognize that we truly are broken vessels, because we are. As broken vessels, sometimes we'll let our mind wander for, for even but a moment, and the devil will sink a root somewhere, or, or just get a hook somewhere in us. And we'll accidentally say something or do something, even if it's somewhat unintentional, it might be detrimental to another person. Well, one of this, one of the greatest things that we as believers are uh, fairly frequently guilty of is called gift projection. And the problem with gift projection is that it really does cause false guilt to spread rampantly through the body of believers. So we have to be cautious um, when, when we're operating in the body not to be guilty of gift projection. What do I mean by gift projection? Everyone has their own spiritual gifts that God has given you. You have received them from God, and sometimes you know how to use them and you know how to use them well. And sometimes they're new to you and you don't understand how to use them. And so we have to be cautious with how we channel our spiritual gifts. So if, let me give you an example of of gift projection. Sometimes um, if someone is operating in the gift of prophecy, then they will come to a fellow believer who operates in the gift of word of knowledge and wisdom or counsel. And they'll say, listen, it's great that you, that you operate in, in the gift of counsel and wisdom and word of knowledge. But you're not doing it right until you compare the gift of prophecy with it. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it well enough unless you're doing it with, with, um, with the gift of prophecy tied to it. You have to use these in unison. That's a gift projection. Because that person who's gifted in counsel and, and wisdom and, and word of knowledge, they might not be gifted in prophecy. And that's okay because God is going to use them as they are gifted. Okay? Just like... Uh, for that person who is gifted in prophecy may not be gifted in counsel, wisdom, and word of knowledge. But God's still going to use you in the gift of prophecy. So you don't want to project your gift onto someone else. Okay? Um, if If you are gifted in evangelism and you think that the pastor isn't pastoring well enough because he is um, not as gifted in evangelism. And you say, listen, uh, I think you do a fine job preaching, but 
you'd really be much better at pastoring if you'd operate in the gift of evangelism a little bit. Well, that's a gift projection. Um, and, and you can't do that to people because then what it, what it subsequently does is then the devil has that doorway to say, remember what that person said? You'd be better. You'd be better. You're not good enough the way you are. You, you don't quite measure up to, to this gift because you don't have that one. Okay, so here's my, here's my exhortation as we, as we kind of bring this to a close. My exhortation to you is when you recognize the gifting in someone else, if you think that that person needs that gift, yield your gift unto them but don't project it onto them. What do I mean by yield your gift onto them? Yield it. Come alongside them and say, you know, we could we could work as a team here. And naturally, of course, you need to do this appropriately. Use use great discernment in doing this. And don't do it of the flesh, please, please, please do not do it of the flesh. But do it according to God's spirit. If, if God leads you to um, come to someone and say, you know, um, I, know that you're, I know that you're working with this person in the area of counsel, and I believe I've received a prophetic word. Uh, could, could we get together and talk about this? Or uh, in, in other situations, you know, the pastor says, listen, I'm really... I'm really um, a shepherd of the flock, but I need somebody to come and teach this part of the word. Um, and I know that you're very gifted in teaching. I would like to yield my gift of the pastorate unto you. If you would yield your gift of a teacher unto me and unto the congregation so that we can bring the body of Christ deeper so that we can uplift and edify the body. Okay. That's, that's the big deal with yielding your gift one to another is edification. So you don't you don't push it on somebody because it's uh, it's kind of like a weight. And if you're not if you're not built to carry a weight and somebody comes alongside and just says, "Oh, here's another one." Well, that just made that load a little bit heavier and it made it harder for that person to carry. And and so you don't want to be guilty of that. However, unfortunately, many Christians really are. Uh, and, and it's a terrible thing. But the good news is God is capable of all. And God will not come short in any area. God will not come short in any area. So, I need to leave you with a couple of scriptures. I'm going to leave you with Philippians 4.13, I want you to think on it. I want you to pray on it. I want you to ask God to give you deep revelation of these words. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I want you to ask God this week for deep and sound revelation of I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then I want to leave you with 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. 
All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Where's your hope? Do you have a hope in Jesus that purifies you, just like Jesus is pure? That's that's where our hope needs to be set. And so I want to leave you with the journaling exercises this week. Okay? And here's what you need to do. I've got three questions for you to journal. And I want you to do them one at a time. And I want, after you ask the first question, I want you to let God answer thoroughly. Okay? So start with, Dear Lord, where do I have false guilt in my life? Because the chances are you have false guilt in your life somewhere. And it's it's not good. Like I said earlier, it's not good for you, body, mind, or spirit. It's no good. Um, false guilt, again, is condemnation. And, and condemnation will wear your spirit out, which will wear out your emotions, which will wear out your flesh. And so ask the Lord this week. Where do I have false guilt in my life? And allow him to answer thoroughly before moving on to the next question, which is this. Have I been a victim of gift projecting? Has someone, has someone else projected their gift onto me? Okay, and let him answer you thoroughly. And when you come to the close of that thorough answer, here's your last question, and this one's going to be hard. Am I guilty of gift projection? And you might not want the answer to that one, but it's necessary for you to have it. Because if, if you don't want the answer to it, chances are you can probably think of a time that you might have done it. But, what, you, what you're after here is thorough answers from God. And if, if you find yourself struggling through these journal entries, um, feel free to contact me. If you have questions about um, true guilt, false guilt, how to deal with them, if you have deeper questions on gift, on gift projection, feel free to contact me. I will be happy to answer them for you. But journal through those three questions this week and really allow God to answer you thoroughly. Uh, and, and I think that you will be um, surprised by what you get as you journal. So let's go ahead and pray and wrap up for the day. Heavenly Father, I thank you once more for this day and this time. And I pray once more, Lord God, that you would uh, just speak to these people. Speak to them, Lord God, loudly and speak clearly, Father, that they would have no question of who they're hearing, but that they would know in their heart of hearts that they truly are hearing your voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would anoint them not only, Lord God, to hear your voice and to receive this message, but, Father, that you would anoint them to spread the great news of your gospel, that they would take this message and share it with another, that they would move forward, Lord God, in obedience to your call, however you would lead them. And Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, for all of those who hear this message, I pray, Father, that you would just raise up their countenance right now. Father, for those who are battling uh, the darkness, the sadness, the depression, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that must be cast off of them 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who came in the flesh. Father, right now, we command the spirits of darkness to go, to flee them in this instance, Lord God, and replace each one with your holy opposites, Father. And Father, if they do try to return, I pray, Lord God, that they would come back only to find that they've been replaced tenfold by your Holy Spirit. Father, that no weapon formed against these people must prosper. But Lord God, that each one would be surrounded by a heavenly host of ministering and warring angels. Father, go with each one this week. Carry them through and lift them up. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. Y'all have a blessed week, and we'll talk again soon.